You're listening to an artist interview from Chirp Radio. You can find more interviews at chirpradio.org slash podcasts. Hi, this is Mick, and you are listening to a Chirp Radio artist interview. I am on the line with Nat of Chicago band Arcadia Gray. How are you doing today, Nat? Hi, it's me, Nat from Arcadia Gray. I'm I'm good. I'm 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 here. I play bass and vocals. I do a lot of the writing. We've recently, since the pandemic, been touring a lot, and we're currently working on writing a new record. So <laughs> things have been a little hectic over here. <laughs> what has touring been like since you've had a chance to start doing that again? Touring's been really strange because it feels almost taboo to be doing. I'll, I'll start with this first. It feels really strange to be doing because. Obviously, there's still a pandemic going on, and we try our our damn hardest to make sure everybody at our shows is safe, and we're safe, and that we can put on the best show for people, and and make sure everyone feels comfortable. Pre-pandemic was strange for us, because we had only ever done self-booked tours, and during the pandemic, we ended up getting a booking company to put us on, and we have an agent who like books for us. We've been playing these bigger venues to bigger crowds. It's been kind of inspiring to us, because... Before the pandemic, we didn't really know. We had never really played the country before. I mean, we just did our first West Coast tour, and there were people in Portland, Oregon, who had heard of us and had bought our vinyls and had, like, sang our songs to us. There were people in Utah who were singing to us. So it was, like, crazy that we had reached people on the other side of the country and, like, finally got to meet them, see that we've, like, had an impact. Our music's getting heard other places than Chicago and Indiana. So uh, you said that you're working on a new album. How's how's that coming along? We've kind of been putting it off. We're <laughs> we love making music, but we've just haven't really had the time, uh, especially with the pandemic happening, to like write a record. And we kind of like looked at all these songs we've written in the last like two years, and we've been like, oh, we can put one together. <laughs> we can make a record now. <laughs> we we have the songs. <laughs> There's something about like creating something with the band again that feels really exciting. We're about, we're about to be on that like release cycle again. To me, that's like my favorite part is like writing the record and then that tension building up to when everybody can like hear it, you know? Do you, do you feel like your sound has changed at all in the, you know, the last three years since you released a Konami code? Or do you feel like you're kind of still in the same, you know, grunge sort of punk emo lane that you uh, were in, you know, when you released that album? It's interesting that you ask that because I think we've never really understood what our sound is. When we started writing our last record, we would list off albums that influenced us and bands we wanted to sound like. K-Code was supposed to be this emo record, and it ended up being more of like a skate punk record. There was really no expectation for us when writing that record. Like, nobody had really heard of us. And then we wrote that record, we got on playlists, we started touring, and now we have this like fan base that is ready for new music. I would say that, yeah, we have we have matured in our music we know a lot more of what we sound like and what we want to be and we know how to play our instruments (laughs) um so i think our record is going to be it's still going to have that arcadia gray flavor that everybody likes you're definitely going to hear it and feel it that we've grown as a band and i'm not sure if if people are going to hear that and be like you've changed or if people are going to hear that and be like you've grown because i feel like with records uh, especially band sophomore records, the audience has a 
they've changed too much. They're not what I like, or they haven't changed enough. And I'm scared we're not going to fit in that like sweet spot. Yeah, yeah. The judgments can be pretty harsh for second records. We got to meet a couple bands on tour who are working on their sophomore records. And I think that's that's a fear that every band has is like worried that their next project's not going to be as good or not as like well received as their first. So you said that you didn't really know what you sounded like when you made that first record. What kind of feedback have you gotten since then? And do you feel like do you feel like that aesthetic has sort of, you know, solidified? I, I think it has like we joked about being a, a shine punk sparkle punk band kind of in the veins of like bands like mom jeans and modern baseball at least for me I, I can't speak for Coraline and how she writes but we were talking about like the records that have influenced us on our next record the songs we're writing and I was thinking about how like our last record is a huge influence for this one because when we started writing like I didn't know how to write music very, very well like I was very new to my instrument and Coraline she's one of the main writers of the band as well she's like very inspirational to me like she'll show up with a demo or a new song and i'll be like that is crazy <laughs> i think our our record does have kind of a defined sound i mean i'm not sure if you're familiar with the diy scene but people like to put konami code as a fifth wave emo album i was yeah i wanted to ask you about that like what is what does fifth wave even mean at this point i think fifth wave was kind of like a response to the pandemic. I think people were kind of bored, didn't know how to, weren't going to shows, were just kind of listening to the music that was coming out and kind of wanted to box in the bands that were just kind of blooming before the pandemic. And I think that kind of created this like fifth wave sound that everyone talks about because a lot of the records that people and bands that people like put into that box are like these bands that released records around that time, uh, like 2019, 2020. I think Fifth Wave is the start of something bigger. I think there's going to be this post-pandemic renaissance of emo that I think Fifth Wave is just like the start of. <laughs> okay, yeah, because there there was a lot of online angst about why are we dividing, uh, why are we creating a new wave? The emo bands that are playing right now seem like they're still part of the fourth emo revival like why are we dividing this into another way but i do agree that there does seem to be like a different momentum and a different feel we met a lot of people on tour who it was their first time like seeing like going to shows and like seeing bands that they had been listening to during the pandemic and we met a lot of bands who had started during the pandemic and like it was their first shows i think fifth wave is kind of a a blip in the sound of what's to come because being like in the scene and getting a firsthand, like getting to listen to records that aren't even out yet, getting to meet bands that haven't exploded yet. I think, I think there's going to be a lot of crazy cool music that's about to come out in this next year or two because of like the fifth wave scene. I don't even know how we got here in the first place. Crying out loud, trying to turn out. We got here in the first place Lost no time trying to figure out yesterday One of the things that I that I was really curious about was um, what were some of your favorite albums growing up and how did they sort of influence your taste and now influence the sound of your band? Coraline and I met in high school and we bonded over bands like American Football, Weezer, 
Pup and like Blink-182. I actually met Coraline because she was wearing a Blink-182 shirt at lunch and I had nobody else to sit with. And I was like, she looks cool. I'll, I'll sit next to her. Both got involved in like the emo music at the same time. So like as I was finding like bands like the Front Bottoms, Mom Jeans and Modern Baseball, she was finding bands like pup and sorority noise and remo drive and like showing those to me and i think when we were writing k code we would we would have these conversations about like what are the bands that are influencing this song and i can like go deeper into like the albums that really influenced me that really got me into like the music that i think arcadia gray is super influenced by were definitely like weezer blink 182 and surprisingly neutral milk hotel Okay, I did not see that one coming. Not gonna lie. Neutral Milk Hotel was like kind of exploded my brain <laughs> when I first listened to them. And I I don't know why. Like it was such a band that caught me out of the blue. I, I guess like one day I was like reading an article about like the best nineties singles and like Neutral Milk Hotel was like number one. And my like immature teenage brain was like, Who's this neutral milk hotel? Weezer's the best band from the nineties. And then I like fell in love like instantly. <laughs> All the songs I write are on acoustic guitar first, like bands like Mumford and Sons and Neutral Milk Hotel. <laughs> oh, Mumford and Sons as well. Mumford and Sons was a huge influence in middle school and kind of got me involved in music, really. And I know that's so weird. Like Mumford and Sons is like a weird band to talk about these days, but they were like one of the first bands that I ever like, oh, music is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, when they were popular, they were not well liked by critics, but um, they were also really popular. So obviously people like them. Like you're actually the first person that I've ever heard say that they were influenced by their music, that their that their influence had like a positive influence on their trajectory as an artist. Yeah. It's it's weird because like the first CD my dad ever bought me was Babel by Mumford and Sons. <laughs> and like mm. I don't know, like I would like sit at the computer and like watch Mumford and Sons like music videos and like songs and I think if you were to hear the songs that I write, I'm not a Mumford and Sons fan anymore, but I think if you were to hear mm-hmm. this, the songs on their like pubescent stage when I'm writing them on acoustic guitar, you would definitely hear the influence. <laughs> Torn between a bit and realistic, seems so parasitic, it reeks of wasted time. I've always had the philosophy that once our our music is out there, like it isn't our music anymore, it isn't our art anymore, it's the people who listen to it and how they want to interpret it. I think like looking back on like the process of making that art, I think it was a good idea to like have someone else create it with their own intentions in mind and have the audience interpret it how like maybe how you interpret it because like I think that's cool and I think that's what we try to strive with our music. I remember like we were at a show and somebody was asking me about like what I meant in some lyrics for Konami Code and they sat there and like told me their whole like interpretation for like 10 minutes it felt like and when they were done I was like that's not at all what I meant but I thought it was really cool that you got it out of those lyrics. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. Well uh, Nat this was a great conversation. Thank you again for joining me this afternoon uh, to talk about your band, Arcadia Gray. Again, this has been Mick in conversation with Nat of Arcadia Gray. Thanks again for your time. Thank you. This has been an 
an artist interview from Chirp Radio. You can find more interviews at chirpradio.org slash podcasts.